Well, good morning. So it's nice to um, be able to speak um, this morning. Normally when I'm up here, I'm behind keyboards um, leading worship. So um, yeah, it's a bit different for me. Either that or you'll have seen me running around after a very active toddler. But Zach has been doing that very well this morning, I must say. <laughs> so it's a huge privilege to speak with you this morning. Zach kicked off our teaching series last week around the theme of worship laying out the foundations that worship is central to the life of our church. So over the next few weeks, we're going to continue to unpack what is going on in this space of gathered worship. And this morning, we're looking at the theme, worship is encounter. And it's a huge privilege for me to speak to you about this because worship is something that I'm so passionate about and something that I know constantly draws me closer to the heart of God. So I wanted to begin by showing a clip um, of a Worship Central worship evening where Martin Smith from Delirious was leading. So let's watch this together. I think we had some extra music on the start there that wasn't meant to be there. But the gist is, there was a quiet, reflective moment in worship, and Martin Smith put his Bible down on the drum pad key. But immediately he thought, I'll look at the drummer, because they've just started playing out of a, they shouldn't be playing right now. And then he realized it was him. Um, it's every musician's worst nightmare. And I show you this clip not to, um, not to make you listen out for any mistakes that we make, because I'll put my hand up and say, so often I'll play a very clear wrong chord. I'm sure we've all done things like that. Um, but I show you this to portray the contrast between worship and entertainment, because there's no room for entertainment in worship. You see, in an entertainment setting, whether that's a gig or a stage performance, perfect performance of those on stage is everything. And that's what people come to watch. Likely, if this happened, it would cause scathing reviews, and I'm sure the person responsible would feel pretty terrible. And as an example, the artist James Brown used to fine people for making a mistake during a gig. So he would turn around and point at them if he heard a mistake. And that was basically him saying, you'll be fined at the end. So thankfully, we don't do that. You guys are okay this morning. You won't get any fines. In worship, though, these moments allow us to laugh together. We embrace the awkwardness if we have done something like that, which clearly disrupts what's going on. But it doesn't take away from the fact that we've been on a journey together in the very presence of the living God. In the world of entertainment, the delivery of the people up front is everything. But in worship, the opposite is true. The people up front do have an important responsibility um, to lead and to facilitate a space for worship. 
But for true worship to take place, we must take a step back and give Holy Spirit permission to have his way. There's no room for entertainment in worship. So if you were here last Sunday, Zach shared a phrase with us, and I wanted to come back to this as we delve into this morning's topic of encounter. Worship is the people of God in the presence of God, pouring out the praises of God. So we, you and me, are the people of God who are invited into his presence with no strings attached. And when we're caught up in his presence, we cannot do anything other than pour out our praises to him. So let's read our passage for today from 2 Corinthians 3, verses 12 to 18. That will come up on the screen. Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. We are not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away. But their minds were made dull, for to this day the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. It has not been removed, because only in Christ is it taken away. Even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is a spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the spirit. So last week, my dad came down to Edinburgh. He dressed up in his finest kilt outfit to attend the Royal Garden Party. He had a slight mishap at the start in that he actually forgot to bring his ticket. So he had to get the bus back to Aberdeen and back to Edinburgh. Thankfully, he came two days before. And thank goodness for a free bus pass too. <laughs> because without his ticket, he wouldn't have got past the gates of the palace. He described the scene where he spent the afternoon there were lots of tents around that had refreshments available, so you could go in, get something to eat and drink. You could sit and have a chat with people. But some of the attendees also had a special white card, and with this card, they could gain exclusive access to meet royalty. So my dad wasn't lucky enough to fall into this category, sadly, but he definitely enjoyed his time, and he could watch from a distance as a smaller group were invited further in. And why am I telling you this? Well, this is very similar to what Paul is referring to in the passage that we've just read. Because we see throughout the Old Testament these marked visible degrees of separation between the presence of God and the people of Israel. And the most obvious example being the temple. Some people weren't allowed past the entrance, some were allowed into the outer courts, some were allowed in the inner courts but only the high priests, so the white card holders, were permitted to enter the dwelling place of the Lord, the Holy of Holies. The high priest would bring the sins of the people before the Lord to make atonement for them, so bringing a sacrifice as a means of payment for the sins of the people. And in this passage, Paul also refers to Moses when he would go up Mount Sinai to speak with God, returning with his face shining. The people of Israel were afraid when they saw the glow resonating from Moses' face. So Moses would um, share what the Lord has spoken with the people and then cover his face with a veil, 
only removing it when he went to speak with the Lord again. Now, fortunately for us as believers, the incredible sacrifice of Jesus on the cross changed the story because Jesus' death was more than sufficient as a sacrifice to cancel the debt for all of our sins, causing the veil that separated us from the presence of God to be torn from top to bottom and allowing us to freely approach God and experience his powerful presence. Through Jesus' death, God opened the door for us to enter into the Holy of Holies, to stand before him freely with unveiled faces, giving us unlimited access to his presence. So we get to come before God together without any separation and with confidence and with assurance. So just go on to speak about encounter. There's a slide, slides for the next bit, yeah. So the God who meets with us. As a church, one of our core values is encounter. But what does that really mean? Because often the word encounter is associated with an unexpected meeting or a chance run into someone. And it's true that we can sometimes meet God in unexpected places. But when we talk about encounter as a church, we're pointing towards something we know to be true. Because the incredible thing about God is that when we turn our eyes and hearts towards him in worship, we can come with expectation that we will encounter him and we will meet him up close and he will make himself known to us. Why? Because he promises that he will. So a few scriptures might come up on the screen now too. He promises that as we come before him, he will draw near to us, that he will be amongst us every time we gather. And he says that he inhabits, dwells amongst the praises of his people. So let's just take a moment to ask ourselves just now, have we come with that expectation this morning? The expectation that we will encounter the living God. My heart as a worship leader is that we would be a people who hunger to encounter God together, who come with expectation, and in doing so, who point others towards him. Now, one of the barriers that can often get in the way of our worship is when we think it's primarily about us. Here at Central, we have an incredibly gifted team of people who are passionate about tech, about instruments, about voice, and who lead us in worship every Sunday. And together, it is our privilege to facilitate the space of encounter through worship when we meet. When we prepare to lead, we don't come with a mindset of, what songs do I like just now? And what, what do I want to lead this week? But rather, we seek God for his direction as we plan. We do often use the sermon theme as a baseline for songs that we pull in but we ultimately seek God. Because we enter his courts with thanksgiving, he doesn't enter the courts of our palace with thanksgiving. Worship is not about us. I'm gonna read a quote from Worship Central that will come up on the screen. It's easy to fall into the trap of saying, I really didn't get much out of that time of worship, or those songs didn't do much for me. We've probably all done it, 
But the truth is that we are not the center of the worshiping universe. The point of worship is not to make us feel better or happier or fulfilled. Worship is not about us. Worship is not about us. Worship is primarily about the God who comes to meet with us. As a team, we often talk about the journey of worship. It's the way that God leads us through the course of a gathering. In many ways, this journey is our journey of encounter every time we come together, our experience of meeting with the living God. And there are two things that we find happen almost every time. And in fact, when you look through scripture, you find that it is consistently the way God meets with his people throughout history. We use the two words, revelation and response. So I just want to take the rest of the time to unpack these a little more. So firstly, revelation, the God who shows us who he is. So we begin our times of worship with songs which are uplifting, which are joyful and speak of who God is and what he has done. Songs that describe his character, so his goodness, his kindness, his faithfulness. And songs that declare that he is king, that speak of his greatness and majesty. And the song Great Things that we kicked off with this morning is a perfect example of that. Come let us worship our king, let us bow at his feet, because he has done great things. So as we begin to worship, we come with expectation that God will reveal himself to us. And just as a little side note, we do think carefully about the songs we introduce on Sundays. I'm always slightly nervous to share a new song that I like with Zach because he's very quick to pick up on something that isn't quite theologically sound. Perks of being married to a theologian. <laughs> so yeah, I come with open hands. <laughs> but actually, I've come to really appreciate this as it's so important that we ensure the songs that we sing are reflective of who God is and are truly breathed from scripture. So now I actually think more about the specific words myself before even bringing it to him. So I can almost preempt his comments, have a discussion rather than him just telling me. <laughs> but we have to make a choice as we come into a place of worship. A choice to push past the things that would distract us and offer ourselves to God wholeheartedly. And the best way we can do that is to remind ourselves of who God is, to consciously choose to reflect on his character, his love, his mercy, his grace. And as we grow deeper in our knowledge and understanding of God, we know with certainty that his character is consistent. But we should also expect that we might discover more of who he is as we worship because he wants to constantly bring us closer to his heart. I love this quote from Graham Kendrick's book titled Worship. It'll come up on the screen. True worship is bound to reveal more of the character of Jesus. And he is described in scripture as both a lion and a lamb. If our worship is to become real, then this is who will walk among us, at times in gentleness and at times in fearsome grandeur. So the contrast between the lion and the lamb here is so striking. The fierceness of a lion portraying awe and wonder 
and the gentleness of a lamb displaying the tender, loving heart of God. God reveals himself to us both in his breathtaking majesty as well as in gentleness and peace. Similarly, at times our worship might take more of a declarative shape, whilst at other times God invites us to simply wait and be still before him. And sometimes worship comes at a cost to us. I'm sure many of us have come into church in the midst of heaviness or heartache, or even just tiredness and weariness. In those moments, we may feel like, how can I possibly worship today? Or how can I show thankfulness when my heart is aching or I'm just not feeling it? Another Kendrick quote, um, he encourages us to give yourself wholeheartedly to praise and worship. Determine, I will bless the Lord. If your heart is heavy, come honestly as you are, yet giving thanks for God's unchanging love and being open to joy. We must learn to offer up our tears and pain as well as our joys. It is more costly, but such sacrifices of praise are of tremendous value in the sight of God. I've wrestled with things so many times as I've worshipped, and it's not easy, but we can bring all of our things before God. God doesn't want us to come before him with veiled faces, hiding away. Rather, he wants us to come before him as we are, whether that's broken and weak or whether that's full of joy and life. Sometimes we don't feel like it when we gather together, but we should be careful not to let that get in the way of our worship. Because when we come into a place of gathered worship with unveiled faces, God reveals more of himself to us. We should approach gathered worship with expectation to meet our creator. And then we come on to response. The God who shows us who we are. So encounter in worship shapes us, it calls us, and it gives us a song or a response to sing. Another quote from Worship Central is, as we are filled with the Spirit, our hearts overflow with worship. We respond with a life of gratitude and songs of devotion. If we allow the Holy Spirit to be our chief worship leader, placing our trust ultimately in him, we will see explosions of life, freedom, joy, creativity, healing, and blessing. Now, I don't know about you, but this sounds like the kind of journey that I want to be on. Explosions of life and joy and creativity. This links back to verse 17 of the passage we read together earlier. Now, the Lord is a spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And I'm sure we all want to experience more of the freedom that the Spirit of the Lord brings. As Holy Spirit moves amongst us, our heart's response should be to bring our lives before God in thankfulness and in surrender. And in doing so, we cannot help but be changed. If we're truly caught up in the presence of God, we can never leave a time of worship the same as when we entered, as God is continually transforming us more and more into his likeness as we offer ourselves to him. 
A beautiful song of response that we often sing was written by some of our team here at Central. It's called Renovate My Heart, and the chorus and the words of the chorus will come up. Renovate my heart, Lord. Change me from the inside. Everything I am, Lord, for all that's good and pure and true. Help me to become like you. And this is our desire as we lead worship and as we engage in worship, that we ourselves would be changed from the inside out and that we would direct others to encounter the one who can change us from the inside out. These words should be our heart's cry and prayer as we respond to the Father who reveals himself to us. Another way that we respond to God in worship is through communion, which we will be receiving later in the gathering today. And communion is a beautiful way of us responding in heartfelt gratitude to the God who sent his only son to die for us. Now we often take communion as part of our worship as it allows us to take time to bring our own songs and prayers before God as we prepare our hearts and step forward to receive the bread and the wine, giving thanks for the incredible sacrifice that cleared our debt and brought us into freedom. And finally, verse 18 of the passage goes on to say, And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. And in this verse, Paul isn't solely talking about the way we behold and gaze upon the Lord, but he's also referring to the way we as a people look at each other and see God's glory and life radiating from each other. So we may not all be walking around like Moses with a physical light glowing from our faces, but when we've spent time collectively in God's presence, we can see the radiance of God's glory on the faces of our fellow believers and have the joy of knowing that we have individually and collectively encountered the living God. And I, I love that. I think that's really incredible. So as we come towards the end, worship is a choice. Each of us needs to choose to bring our hearts before God as we gather together. We don't just encounter God once and that's us had our fill. We can encounter God every single time we come before him in worship. How incredible that he always wants to meet with us revealing more of himself and transforming us more and more into his likeness as we respond to him. We may approach worship with varying levels of passion and enthusiasm each week, and that's okay, but we should be expectant that God, our Father, will meet us where we are. We are the people of God. We're captivated by the presence of God, and our only response is to pour out our praises to God and be changed by God. I'm just going to read that again. We are the people of God, captivated by the presence of God, and our only response is to pour out our praises to God and be changed by God. So did you come this morning expectant for God to reveal himself to you? 
Or do you feel distant from God this morning? How will you respond as we prepare to continue our worship together today? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that you're with us. We thank you that when we come before you in worship, that you reveal more of yourself to us. I pray that you would give us greater expectation to encounter you every time that we gather to worship. Lord, we give over the things that would distract us, the things that are maybe weighing heavily on our hearts just now. We give them over to you. We come before you with unveiled faces, just as we are. And for those of us feeling distant from you, we pray that as we turn towards you, that you would draw near to us. So would you meet with us as we worship? In your name, we pray. Amen.